I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watched Noah Baumbach's 2017 release, The Meyerowitz Stories, New and Selected. Starring Dustin Hoffman, Adam Sandler, and Ben Stiller, currently streaming on Netflix. This weekend was Father's Day, so we went with a movie about a dad's very dysfunctional relationship with his three adult children. Am I right, fathers? Happy Happy Father's Day. Happy late Father's Day to all you dads out there. Two days late, but but still fresh. Happy late Father's Day to you, Mitchell. And you as well, Matthew. And I'm Mitchell McClary, and this is the Father's Day episode. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and cut to our conversation about the Meyerowitz stories already in progress. Uh, let's jump in, sleepyheads. So we'll jump right in. We kind of picked this movie because of the Father's Day thing, right? And and uh, Harold Meyerowitz being this patriarch of this family, Dustin Hoffman, has really difficult relationships with all three of his kids and we're big noah bombeck fans yeah we love noah bombeck we'll, we'll get into that and this was a good uh father's day pick from his catalog that is also on netflix so easily accessible which now that and I'm thinking i feel about, like a, a lot of yeah. people wouldn't don't know about it yes and also uh plenty of other noah bombeck movies that would have fit the bill for father's day <laughs> Right, squid in the whale. Yeah, we might have to do a deep dive on him too. I know Wade got some squid, squid in the whale. Do you know what? You know what movie he's currently in production on? This is wild. He is adapting uh, White Noise. Oh, that's gonna be good. Yeah, and Adam Driver's uh, playing the lead. Of course he is. Yeah. He loves Adam Driver I know. so much. I know. He makes an appearance in the Meyerowitz stories for like two seconds. It's so great. It's like a little tree in the middle of this movie. And he crushes it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's he's adapting White Noise. I think it's That's his first adaptation, great. so I am really excited. Um, I mean, it makes sense. The writing and, and dialogue in that book yeah. is so is so tight and fast. Oh, and it's... I. It's, it, as soon as you said that, even the layering of like interruptions over each other and these yeah. like kind of overly smart characters. I don't. I don't mean yeah. that in a in a uh, pejorative term in any way. Like I the think. conversation with his son about the rain. Yes. Like, uh, but your perception of the rain. Yeah, and yeah. and even like dinner table conversations between him and a daughter and a, and his and his wife and the the way that there's like four conversations happening all at once as things are happening and and he writes that They're, so well in the novel it feels very, very reminiscent yes yeah bombakian is a new phrase that I just <laughs> um well i was going to ask about this kind of start this conversation about Meyerowitz stories um central to this movie is harold Meyerowitz, played by dustin hoffman his relationship with his three kids um mm-hmm. Was that, I mean, obviously it's the core kind of emotional emotional piece of the movie, but was that something that you really resonated with, responded to this watch through? I think the thing that I responded most to uh, th- throughout, like not even just the father-specific uh, relational dynamics, but the feeling that it seemed everyone has in a family to kind of prove 
their worth or to prove that they're okay or doing good or doing better than you think. Oh yeah. And it's relentless. And that's, that goes for the father as well. Dustin Hoffman. I, what's his character's name? Harold. 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 Yeah. Per, like he looks like a Harold more than he looks like a Dustin. I know. Um, but, but yeah, there's so many moments where Harold is trying just as, if not much harder at proving his own worth <laughs> and like showcasing that worth to people around him, like his family, then his kids are in earning yeah. their father's, you know, and, and that acceptance is that or pride that is exemplified so perfectly in him recounting meeting Sigourney Weaver twice to each of his <laughs> right. sons. You know, I met Sigourney Weaver. She was very nice. She was very impressed by me. I said, hello. She said, hi, I'm Sigourney. I said, hi, I'm Harold. <laughs> Right. He says this anecdote like three times, like it's <laughs> worth saying three times. And we see the interaction. Sigourney Weaver has this great cameo, and it's the most innocuous, most nothing of an interaction. Like, she, compl- look, she immediately forgets he exists. Yeah. Look, if I met Sigourney Weaver like that and she completely forgot I existed, I'd be thrilled. I would share it too. <laughs> right. So I understand the impulse. But at least you have some awareness. Exactly. Uh, I, I just, but, but yes, he is constantly trying to impress. They, they have a conversation at one point. Uh, it's his, his old buddy. Who's also an artist is having a, um, LJ LJ is having a big show at the MoMA and his, his much more successful friend, very old friend. Um, and, but he stayed relevant in the art world yeah throughout his career. And Adam Sandler, uh, plays Danny. Uh, goes with him to this show, and Danny runs into LJ's daughter, Loretta, who he's known for basically all of his life, and gets a hug, whatever, kiss on the cheek. And then Harold runs into Loretta too, and then Harold tries to tell his son Danny how good the hug was that he got from this, from his friend's daughter. (laughs) Right, like the interaction he had was, no, no, it was more meaningful. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes, and it's these little petty constantly keeping accounts that right. was so utterly fascinating and and so lived in and real to me right i i think what noah bomback does well is he almost like kind of uh, brings out verbally externally what is yes. so real to to many people but but most of us have the self-awareness we wouldn't we wouldn't dare say these things aloud Right, and famously on this pod that I bring up is Nerd Writer Video's yeah. analysis of stuff we like. And he's got one on the language in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things he talks about is the layering and stacking on top of people talking over each other. And, it, it you know, he's like, oh, the, the Noah writes how people actually talk. Yeah. And, um, and I was thinking about it. It's like, it's not quite like that it's almost like he writes how it feels like people talk when you're trying to get a word in versus how people actually talk because it's like i can see the there's so many moments in the movie where it's three characters all trying to just Mm. get their point or their worthiness out there and to have it received and it's all bouncing around and and not not landing anywhere and it's like oh that, that really does feel like how conversations work a lot of yeah. times where you're kind of only viewing it in the context of your your yourself your life mm-hmm. 
and you might ask a question just so that people will ask you that same question. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm unable to hear or receive anything about your life because I got to get yes. you to yeah. I, I'm not hear listening. stuff about my life. I'm not listening. I'm just looking for an opportunity to tell you about that time I met Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and another, you know, anecdote story from 30 years ago mm-hmm. about yes. some statue I've made. Yes. That no one knows exists. Oh, my gosh. And that's it's brutal. That's real. Um, yeah, I... It, I like that phrase you set up to it. Like there's a constant taking into account of like mm-hmm. wins or losses, mm-hmm. but it feels like the, the dad character, like he only takes into account his wins mm-hmm. and the kids losses. Yeah. And then it feels like the kids have more of a full scope of, or, or they eventually lead on to, but it feels like they're having more awareness of their dad's life and their life. And the dad's only consumed by their, his. Yeah. I think about that great um, scene where he goes with his other son, Ben Stiller's character, Matthew, to mm. Matthew's mom's house. Candace Bergen, right. his his ex-wife, one of his ex-wives. He, his right. kids are from different um, parents, uh, different moms. Um, and, and it's like kind of this normal, he sees his ex-wife he hasn't seen in, probably many many years they're fine there's no bad blood between them she i love that i just love this he is convinced that she has an old book of his on her bookshelf she's Mm -hmm. and she just does not give a crap like right because her her life is steady and stable the narrative he's telling himself is like she's still so obsessed or into me yes that she's keeping relics of our relationship yes. around it's not a slight against him it's the oh i i so admire him and i want right. him in my life and um and, and she just doesn't care she's like have the book i don't read fiction anymore really and it's this throwaway line and then uh, Harold is walking in the street afterwards with his son and he's now he's crafting this whole narrative about oh oh she doesn't need it's like she doesn't read fiction anymore she was always such a populist that's and it's obviously not true she's just trying to tell me that like to make herself look right. good and this it's so absurd, psychotic the reading of it this absurd psychoanalysis of this woman saying like basically fine if you think it's your book have it i don't care right it reminds me of when that couple is checking out um, Harold's apartment to mm, buy. Yeah. And with the purchase of the apartment comes his work. And he's showing them the work, and they're clearly not interested. And Danny, Adam Sandler's character, is like, no, go show him this one, you know, this yeah. one specific piece. And he's like, that's a minor work of mine. And it's like <laughs> he's speaking as if he's, you know, Tolstoy or something. Yeah. And like, that, that, that's a short story. That's yes. no good. But you really yeah. want to read my, you know. These are my, these are my pieces, best, my greatest hits. But what's haunting about the movie is it's, it seems, I mean, it's ambiguous, but like Harold just might not be that great of an artist. Well, and, and what ends up happening with a lot of those art pieces, well, there's one that we know, we don't even see what the piece is, but that couple mm. is like selling it to like retirement homes. Right. Like, and their his they're, granddaughter <laughs> is finding them. Yes. Uh, well, the the one at the end was the one that that was lost for all of the movie at some museum or something that they right. they, they were able to track down. But even that, it's like the the museum, this this they don't care about it. Enough. Yeah, presumably an institution that is charged with care of works of fine art. Just who cares? 
and and then you're finding out the fate of these other pieces that were apparently so valuable you could sell the house with them it's just ending up in resale and retirement homes across the country it's so sad because he's that much more delusioned about his importance yeah like if his whole life is based on the place he he sits in in the art community and the art community says that's a very low place yeah I mean, even the you know a lot of the movies building toward he's he's going to have a retrospective art show, but you know, and it's ambiguous. But at first, it's going to be a retrospective with other artists who were also alum or faculty at this university, right? And right, and he doesn't want to share the stage because he is so deluded that he you know he is Harold Meyerowitz. He is this giant, and then. And I love that he's like flipping through this book with the it's like this nicely bound book that's a retrospective of his pieces. It's got high, you know these really high quality photos of his work, which ironically it's papyrus on the front. Yeah, yeah. But then, do you remember how he where he got that book? His kids made it for him. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> like, because you're it, you're looking at it like, oh, he was this well known artist, like some some publisher wanted to preserve this and make it into a coffee table book or whatever and it's like oh no no his his kids did this as like a father's day gift or something it's a delusion uh it's terrifying yeah i i kind of that i agree all of that is really what stuck out to me in the movie and the the sibling relationships i found really interesting um, yeah. i was not so drawn into the father stuff um partly because i think we watched tree of life last week yeah, and lot, there's a lot more depth to explore there. Yeah, but I I thought the adult the adult sibling, sibling relationships in this movie were really unique. Um, yeah, and and I was really struck by the way um, Ben Stiller's character Matthew and Danny Adam Sandler and then um, Jean their sister um, played by Elizabeth Marvel and she is amazing. Poor Jean, <laughs> poor Jean is right. Um, I love that her because the movie's cut up into like, you know, Danny's story and yeah. you know whoever story and Jean's is like a little footnote basically at the end. Yeah, it, which is, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was. I think I saw a some, footnote of like a like sexual abuse. Yeah, like story of her life. And and I think I saw some criticism of like, oh, Bombac is just interested in the men, and it's like, no, no, like that's literally part of the point of the structure of the narrative is. Like she's like the forgotten one. Literally, Jean is the forgotten sibling. And part yeah. of that is because she is a woman. So it's a commentary on a daughter's right. role in this in this very weirdly patriarchal family. Right. Where, right. you know, Harold is just so obsessed with with his sons. And he is he is disappointed with them both <laughs> for the opposite reasons. Right. He's disappointed with Danny, the artist. And he doesn't even, he wouldn't even consider him to be the creative one in the family. He is, he's trying to find other extended distant relatives who are maybe more creative than Danny because Danny who could match Harold's ability, which as we find out as the movie rolls on is not that great. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and so he's disappointed in Danny basically not being successful and being a stay at home dad and kind of doing music on the side. And right. and then he is disappointed in his son Matthew, who is this wildly successful financial advisor, basically, 
mm-hmm. who has no creative ability whatsoever, and he's disappointed right. he didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. Nothing is good enough. Yeah, unless it was falling in his footsteps. Yeah, yeah. But even then, I would imagine, like, if one of his kids was successful in the art world, it would be that much more sting. That much more painful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it would be, and then it would all be, but your success is only because of mine. I'm the forerunner. I came before you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, what was I going to say? I feel like uh, a lot of the dads from Bombback are more explosive and damaging in like pretty obvious ways. Yeah. But this one feels like aged and sad. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like 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 squid like just to compare like Squid and the Whale has such a fiery energy of uh, dysfunction. Yeah. But this is a a slower burn of. You know failed fatherhood i don't know so um we're talking about bombback what other bombback movies have you seen um i've always did so um yeah did he do francis ha yeah okay so i've seen francis ha marriage story squid and the whale and i think another oh i saw young is that with uh it's the ben stiller adam driver's yes yes I saw that because that's another Netflix one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've seen that. I have not seen Kicking and Screaming. It, it was a interesting week for me, and we'll we'll talk about this later uh, in in our new segment. What else were we watching? But one of the other movies I watched this week was um, Kicking and Screaming, which is Bombac's debut movie, uh, mm-hmm. nineteen ninety five. And where did you watch that? It's on Netflix. It's streaming on Netflix. Um, there you go. And uh, I was, I, it was great. Um, and it's about basically these four, four to six college friends that graduate and then don't know what to do with their lives mm-hmm. and graduate from college. And, um, you know, there's this great, uh, there's a great kind of line, I'll paraphrase it. Um, one of the characters said, um, yesterday I was an English major. Yesterday I was a successful English major and now I'm a loser who's unemployed. The only difference is I graduated. <laughs> Right. And and it's this like very brutal, brutal, severe look at basically the six months after graduation, the way relationships dissipate, the way there's a listlessness. uh, uh, What do I do now? And there's a real like sadness to it. And Bombak made it when he was 25, basically. Right. Like there's a real fresh, fresh pessimism about it. Right. And. So I watched that before we had decided on the Meyerowitz stories. And right. then I put this in and I was just like so struck by the optimism of the movie. There's a hopefulness. Oh, interesting. Um, it takes a long time to get there. Um, mm. I, I do I do think there's a lightness throughout the whole movie. This is not yeah. a, this is not a heavy movie. This, this is, is funny. A, this is, as Harold would say, a minor work yeah. for Bombeck. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's excellent. I, I think it's a <laughs> underrated work right because uh, this is it came out in 2017 which was a brutal year for him because so many other amazing things came out that year yeah the, i i feel like i hadn't heard of this movie until i did i mean i think over covid we were doing a bomb back yeah uh, just deep dive through yeah. the catalog and i realized he had a ton of movies on netflix yeah um anyway, i hadn't even heard and, of it around 2017 yeah 
Um, and so I think it's a little bit of an underrated work. He's getting some, it's, you know, that classic Adam Sandler every four to five years, I'm going to come in and do a drama and crush it and, and demonstrate once again that I'm an excellent actor. The guy is so good. Right. I don't like He's unreal. <laughs> the opening driving scene. Oh my is, gosh. Is poetry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was so, and, and marriage story has this too. Cause we recently rewatched marriage story and there's a lightness to that movie. There are scenes that are brutal, mm. like right. some of some the Randy most brutal. Newman lightness to it. Yeah. And Randy Newman uh, did the score of Meyerowitz story um uh but he but, even wrote the song that, and he wrote the, the song that adam sandler sings yeah yeah with his daughter yeah um and that comes early and that's a really like nice moment um yeah. and like danny's breaking the the curse of bad fatherhood yeah well, let me like talk about actually, that he's actually a really good dad yeah i want to talk about that in a second um but marriage story is even has like a hopefulness by the end of it um mm. and so i'm i i don't know if it's like bomb back in in just maturity and where he's at in life um but i'm i really enjoy the and i like kicking and screaming it was a good movie but i really enjoy the uh, uh, i'm i've been through a lot of life and i'm more mature mm. and a, a takeaway is yeah a lot of this is really hard uh right but there's still there's, there's some beauty in there too yeah yeah and it's okay um even the gene story which is like really hard and yeah you know basically she 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 sees one of their dad's old friends come to visit him in the hospital after he's had a major stroke or or it was a brain bleed um he's in a coma his old friend has come and she sees him and she freaks out and it's this guy who exposed himself to her when she was a child and and she's immediately triggered um, and she just kind of deadpan tells this story, like to to the, to the, the brothers. brothers. Just deadpan tells the story, and like they go into they have this hilarious scene where they try and destroy this old man's car. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of shape men, and they out of shape dad just throwing rocks, and they can hardly make a dent in it. Um. And there's their reaction is just so like, what are we gonna do about it? Right, protective brothers. Yeah, like, gotta, but the guy's like eighty. Yeah, and so he has dementia. And, yeah, and jeans. And he's got like a, a social worker who's like kind of a bodyguard. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and jeans reaction is, I'm I'm already messed up. I don't like. My like you guys did that for you. Yeah, like that felt felt good and was cathartic <laughs> for you guys. Uh, like, but you shouldn't have done this. He's an 80 year old man with dementia and I, yeah, it messed me up, but I'm also okay. And it's not to minimize the, the tragedy of abuse like that, right. but there is this like, I, I don't know. There's even a maturity in the way that that is, is, is kind of woven into the story there at the end. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like life is, is painful. Yes. But also Sun's coming up tomorrow. Yeah, it's hard because you don't want to minimize something like that, right? Like, and that's right. part of the pain is she tells her dad, she, you know, she says, I told him, I told dad when she was whatever, how old or how old she was, and dad didn't right. do anything about it. And that's that's the pain. It almost seems like that's even the more painful thing is the person who was supposed to protect her didn't do anything. Right. 
Um, and, and, but, you know, like she, even she's, in that moment, she, she's the, uh, overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, obviously like, child. And that's kind of the theme of her journey throughout the whole movie. But you know what? Jean took just as many shifts sitting up in the hospital room with her comatose dad as her brothers. Right. And and it's that Ben Stiller, I think he says it a couple of times in the movie, why don't you hate him? Right. He's saying why, this why, to his half-siblings. Why, why are any of us here? Yeah. It's almost yeah. like, why don't you hate him? Because I do, and he treated me better than you. And I can't justify my hatred when I see the two of you stepping in like right. this. Or, or do, I can't leave because you guys are still here. Yeah. And, and again, it's the comparison stuff we've talked about. It's the, the, the strange family dynamics that yeah. feel all too real. And that's the thing is like, cause this is what you do when families are in these situations. I think even one of the characters said this cause he's our dad. We show up. Right. I think Jean says yeah. that she's I'm, like, because she's like, because I'm a decent human being. Yes. Yes. That's what decent human beings do. I love that. I love that moment. Yeah. I, there's one moment where uh after after a fight uh, what's ben stiller's character's name matthew. matthew and harold they have a fight and uh harold is taken off in his car and uh ben stiller says you know i thought i figured out after all these years how to like be around you mm-hmm. and then you're here and i get thrown into you know, back to this dynamic that we have where I'm trying to prove myself. You act like you're not impressed, but you secretly are, but you can't admit that because that would somehow diminish your, your accomplishments. Verbalizes all of this. Yeah. And it's like that, that, that I, it's, I I found it so relatable of like, especially with family of, I I thought I figured it out. Uh Like I, I went away. I haven't seen you for a bit, you know, even if it's like six months or you know, even, you know, some case, a couple of years yeah. with some family members, it's like, I thought, okay. And, and I've lived some life. Uh-huh. I got my family now and I've got my situation that's going, you know, okay. Yeah. I, I can do this. And that's like, uh, we're, we're back. Aren't we? We're back. Yeah. And that's right. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> that's very odd that that's become one of the more frequent uh yeah, we have an ongoing quotes, reference to references a, like early 2000s snl skit with like jimmy very Fallon. obscure like <laughs> yeah, lost as a radio host <laughs> radio skit sketch well, we'd watch it with our childhood neighbors they know who they are yeah yeah and we're back <laughs> Check it out if you want. It gets a little problematic towards the end, but what SNL skit from the 2000s and before doesn't? You know? It's um, part of the fun. Yeah. The time capsule. Even now, they're still problematic. Even now. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I just, uh, to me, that all of this is, is what was so striking about the movie. The, the constant games that family members play with each other. Yeah. It's like, you want to just be able to like my, one of my favorite scenes is, or it's not scene. It's just a moment is, uh, the siblings, they each have a beer and they're playing like cards or something Mm -hmm. and they're able to actually sit and enjoy each other's company. Mm -hmm. And those moments are sprinkled 
yeah throughout the movie just like they're sprinkled in real life family yeah. events and hangs it's like yeah. a genuine moment of just enjoying being around each other it's like there's so much muck to yeah. sift through just to get there yeah and I, you know i love um i love the weird through line of somebody's sunglasses in this movie right that so, no one wants to take ownership of well not quite yeah because because then they fight about them it's either they're danny's or they're matthews they're really nice they're not as nice i don't want them you got to give them to him they're his and then one of them says okay i'll take them and then this is oh they might be mine these are pretty nice right it's like this is psychotic (laughs) right yeah competition on both ends yeah Uh, i didn't leave that around yeah i mean it's oh no i want them you know the games of like you know, who's going to pay for the check at a restaurant? Right. It's, oh, no, 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 I'm gonna, no, no, no. But like, you know, which I have not entered that life phase yeah, yet. We're, with, we're, we're not our, quite with there. our family. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like at this age, mom was snatching the check away from grandma. But before the waiter put it down. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just the, 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 the funny little, oh, the constant, like the way that, Ben Stiller's character Matthew would like just kind of casually mention the relationship he has with Adam Sandler's daughter. <laughs> right. And which is like he has a he has a greater relationship with his niece than he does with his brother. Or his own son. It or his like. own, yeah, or his own son who is constantly hanging up on him on FaceTime. On FaceTime and hinting at his his wife's uh cheating <laughs> yes it's uh, like tragic but i love th- that moment where he's like should i just give up on this son like and just start a new family like <laughs> yeah. you know he can come find me in a few years if he wants and like he, the callous like all right it doesn't even matter but but that's what he saw his dad do like exactly. he, he wants to do to this son what his dad did to danny learn behavior and gene yeah um, and that's like part of his story too. Is Harold was a better, a, a better dad to Matthew. Now, you know, I don't right. know. I don't then know. Then he Matthew was to would, Danny. Yeah. Then he was. Then, to, he, was, then yeah. he was to Danny. So it's all relative. Um, yeah. and, and then Danny turned into the most endearing, like good father yes. there for his dad, despite the like constant pushing away or disapproval. And, you know, there's this issue of this New York City apartment that Harold and his new, his now like fourth wife, who is, I don't know why we haven't, we've been talking for half an hour and <laughs> haven't mentioned it's unreal. the incomparable Emma Thompson as Maureen. It's like when she's driving into the house and she's like, <laughs> like mouth gaping, staring out the windshield. Like, is this when she hits the tree? Who thinks of this? Yeah, she's is, she, is she high? She's, at the moment, I think she's drunk. She's, she's drunk. She's All right, okay, you're right, because that's a that's a through line. Yeah, word. yeah. But God, what a what a face that was. Oh my gosh, where where? And I just her introduction is so perfect. The 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 the, 
it's not just the dialogue, but it's the way he structures these scenes where like Maureen is upstairs somewhere and maybe you hear her voice and Harold is she's, just like... She's making shark for dinner. Yeah, Harold is just like, you know, shuffling around the house talking about Maureen. You know, she's sober now. She's been sober for six weeks. I told her, I told her I didn't like who she became when she drank and she stopped for me. And then here comes Emma Thompson as drunk as could be. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly. And, and it's like, okay, who's deluding... Who here? Maybe Harold has dementia. Maybe he was never an artist. He's <laughs> like, bring me my statue. And they're like, sure. Dad, here's your statue. Uh, they're in this New York City apartment, and they're going to sell it and all the art and all the stuff in it, and they're going to move out to the country. And Danny, Adam said, he does not want them to sell. And there's a part of you that thinks, oh, he doesn't want to sell because he's now separated from his wife. And he is unemployed, and he needs a place to live, and he stands to gain in some right. way by keeping this around or whatever. Right. And and then Ben Stiller Matthew is confused as to why Danny's a holdout on the sale because like you'll get money, you'll get money, and then it's like this realization. And Matthew's worldview is like money wins. Yeah. Yes. Or, or is a sign of success or, or yeah. whatever. And and then it's this realization that like Danny is not into the apartment for the money, but because he has a connection with that place. And he keeps saying, we grew up there. And you find out that Danny spent one year there when he was 16. Like, right. and, and so he didn't even really have a connection with it. But he is this sentimental, caring person in a way that his dad isn't. And in a way that his that, brother isn't. Right. That no one is. Yeah. yeah. And not really Gene either. <laughs> Gene's just a basket case. Gene's amazing. But endearing. Yeah. Basket case. Yeah. Another favorite moment for me personally is when uh, Matthew and Harold are at a restaurant and they're talking over each other. And Matthew's trying to explain, Ben Stiller's trying to explain, like, the new firm that he just started mm-hmm. with some friends. You know, think you'd think it'd be mildly interesting. And Harold is just talking about his upcoming maybe show mm-hmm. and they're talking over each other in this layered amazing way and and then there's a moment where it the topper of the conversation is ben so being like here's our company logo and he like shoves his phone in Harold's <laughs> face he looks at it looks away and like says something else about statues or whatever and i'm like god <laughs> if that's not my life look at this thing i made look at this logo. give me validation please <laughs> Well, and it's like, huh, nice. Anyway, but I love it because as soon as Ben Stiller starts talking about this new project, this new thing he's building, you can see Harold become this insecure, defensive man. And he just has to completely pivot into. He's like, what world was I a big deal in? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, they're thinking about doing another showing my stuff. Yeah. Retrospective. It's going to be a big deal. It's so sad. I know. It's sad for two reasons. One, obviously, just, you know, being that kind of disassociated from reality and connection with people. But, like, and then two, you know, it just kind of hits you with the Ben Silver character, I feel like, at least it did for me, of this guy's never going to ask you about you. Yeah. You know, and how painful that is as a son to not get that from your dad. Yeah. Like, one, just interest in your world. Yeah. And then to like affection or pride or, yeah. you know, excitement towards that world. Yeah. 
you know? Well, like, this guy is so far gone into his own view of himself. Well, the way that scene ends with this absolute terrible other uh, restaurant goer who starts putting right. stuff on their table. His his wine glass, a ketchup bottle, and it's like Jacket, this, it, it, this encroaching on their space. And you can see this man and Harold, who's already so insecure in this conversation, feels like this is like, again, this physical direct attack on him and his right. his space and his sovereignty. This guy knows what he's person. doing. Yeah. And he's sending a message. And I mean, then the resolution is so funny as they're standing there in the street. He pulls out the the Fault in Their Stars ticket stub, and says, it's "Like, wait, this is my jacket." <laughs> he thought the guy stole his jacket. Yeah. Um, and and it's like, and and those are they, those are moments where it's like, oh, this guy's delusional. Like, you know, the whole the whole thing. I mean, you can look back at those early scenes and you find out that he has this big brain bleed that's literally affecting his cognition. Right. Um, and it's it's. Yeah, it, but you can see that the, in so many ways, in representative's relationship with his sons, in, in the physical, in the restaurant, the world is out to get him. Right. I don't know. This movie's good. I, I, I agree with what you're saying, though, that it's, it's a lot lighter. Yeah, I often feel like I'm just kind of being, as I'm watching it, being carried along by it. Yeah, in a in a nice way. It was such an enjoyable, like viewing experience. Right. I mean, it really was was. So, I mean, there there are movies that are difficult to watch. Not not because of the content or anything, but just you know, like Tree of Life. Tree of Life takes some effort to engage right. with it, and this is like the opposite. Um, yeah. No, I feel like Bombback hits that, uh, or is hitting that lately. Yeah, where it's like the the content and themes are are you know potentially like just brutal. Yeah, um, but it's presented in this um, very warm, mm-hmm. film grainy, Randy Newman soundtrack, mm-hmm. New York usually, uh, you know Sunday brunch. Oh yeah, presentation of these themes, you know, and it's great because it draws it's so you consumable. in. Yeah, it, it's so yeah. It it draws you in, and then you actually have to deal with the with the stuff. Yeah. Um. So one of the things, and I'll just kind of put it this way: is I got to a certain point in the movie where I felt like, okay, I'm good. Right. This could end a little long. A little I, long. I yeah. So I feel like there's a little bit of fat on this one, and I got to the point. There, there was a couple of moments, you know. It's like kind of after they all come together, you've had the mm-hmm. Gene Story stuff that come together to really do. And there's some funny stuff of how like like acutely aware they are of Harold's blood pressure at every reading and the drugs that he's getting and as he's convalescing. Uh, Pam. And Pam, the nurse that they saw probably for 10 minutes one day at the beginning. But, which, which, like he, was, he was in better spirits when she was there. So like for the last uh, quarter of the movie, they're like, where's Pam? Yeah, and that is so true to life. Of like right, like she carries the, the the like vibe with her. Yeah, that things will change yes. when she's back. It, and it's the first impressions. It's all you know, all of that. Um, and and I just I don't know if there's a way to end the movie there. I would have been totally satisfied. And then the movie right. kept going on. I was I kind of lost interest. And not not that I lost interest, but it was just like okay, w- w- okay, we're, we're we are still going here. Okay. Um, yeah. 
but but as I'm but the payoff I actually think there's a really powerful payoff there in that you know Danny and Matthew get into a, this like ridiculous wrestling match on the quad of where mm-hmm. where their dad's uh, show is the retrospective the art show which is still happening which is still he's happening in the hospital then they like Danny like tries to say some words at the um at the art show about his dad and they both end up just talking about themselves um and but there is this this sculpture that's at the which center which is what that, Harold does yeah, which is what Harold does um it's a real Meyerowitz move but there is this sculpture at the center of the art show that it's the center of like Matthew's remarks and the sculpture is called Matthew mm-hmm. and the the mythology that Ben Stiller's characters created around this was he helped his dad create this right like he went to the workshop one day and well Harold even says that earlier on yeah yeah of like like you started directing me even as a kid you thought you were the artist and you had all these ideas so yeah. I named it after you yeah and 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 you could see, you can see in Danny that that's always been a hurtful thing to not be included in the world. To work. not be included. To have this thing named, his brother have a thing named after him. But then it comes out later in the movie that that sculpture was made before Matthew was born and was probably actually made with Danny and with his feelings for his his first son. Well, and even that moment when he says, "Oh, I, I wasn't working with Copper at that time. That must have I, that must have been Danny who was." Yeah, I was like, he's become a semi unreliable narrative yeah. type character. Where it's like, who knows what is real with this guy? And it's like, but you do feel that gut punch for for Matthew. Yes, that like oh, this was a symbol of our connection at least at one time in my life, mm-hmm. and it's it's so foggy to you that it could have been any of your children yeah and it's this great thing and i bombac gets so much out of it of it's a pain point for for danny and gene to have this Mm -hmm. thing named after their old you know their their younger half brother and then it becomes an equal if not bigger pain point for matthew when he finds out oh he had nothing to do with this right and who knows who it was with or whatever um and i just i i that that kind of stuff was really drew me back in. It successfully drew me back in, um, right. and and it's just painful. Like, what does Bombback think of dads, man? Oh my gosh, I, or himself as a dad? I don't, I don't know. Man. Seems to have some real contempt. Well, and and what's interesting is the way he weaves in this. We haven't talked about it yet. Matthew's relationship with, I'm sorry, Danny's relationship, Adam Sandler's relationship with with the, his daughter and he's this Liza. like excellent seeming dad like very involved in her life and part of his own struggle in the movie is he is having to let go of that because she's going away to college right so there's a big loss he is divorcing her mom so like even that kind of structure of their family doesn't exist anymore and he's losing this direct connection with his daughter because she's going away he tries to call her a few times on the phone she's too busy um but when they are together like they're singing songs on the piano together and it's just like some of the sweetest father-daughter stuff i've ever seen in a movie and even the missed calls she's like let me know and i will like i'm gonna get you back yeah like you don't ever feel like she's 
forgotten him or no which makes this moment late in the movie at the art show where she's drinking a beer really startling where he says don't drink beer with wine or whatever you already had wine today yeah and then he like basically you know he adam sandler's it yeah it's like a real adam sandler moment he just smacks this beer out of her hand i said no beer yeah like grabs it and throws it across the quad (laughs) and it's it's so like visceral and startling and he's been he's been aggressive and explosive in in moments of the movie but never towards his kid no yeah or or really family really toward any point yeah and but like driving you know yeah, the park, the stuff of situation. Adam Sandler looking for a parking spot in, in in New York is amazing, right? That is cinema. <laughs> but it's also like this is why you hire Sandler to come and do this movie. It's cuz right. he's going to nail that and he's going to nail all the emotional stuff. And so, you know, him knocking the beer out of his daughter's hand wouldn't feel out of place in any other Adam Sandler movie, but it feels so startling here because that's not the relationship they have. Right, and then you quickly, you quickly like, oh, this is about everything else. This has nothing to do with the beer. This is that his brother has this like weird relationship with his daughter, and and even there, that's the accounting thing that we keep going back to. Danny is not a successful person in business, even in his creative mm. endeavors. But boy, he is a good dad, and right. so to have his brother kind of encroaching on that is like, no, stay out of, stay out of right. this thing. He's like, come on, the beer's fine. She can handle it. Yeah. He's like, no, I refuse <laughs> to let that inform the situation. Yeah. And and that's like every character. It's Harold at the restaurant, the, the, the other patron encroaching on the table. As soon as somebody starts to come into your territory, any one of these men are like, just freak out. So I, I just, I like the, the, I like kind of the reflection of, Sandler's relationship with his daughter throughout the movie. Um, yeah, because I, I I feel some pessimism towards parents, obviously from Bombeck's work, mm-hmm. but then I like too this little sliver of hey, maybe this can be good, mm-hmm. maybe this can be a beautiful thing too, and it doesn't have to repeat itself. Right, that's the other thing. Yeah, it's like for there's no reason he should have that good relationship with his kid. And much like Ben Stiller's character doesn't. Yeah. Because of what was modeled for them. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason he should, but there's also no reason he can't. Right. You know, it could just go either way, and that's on him and has nothing to do with his dad. Yeah. And I don't know. I I really like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's There's some fat around this stuff that we're talking about that they could have trimmed in the movie and made it a little tighter, but... Yeah, everything was effective. Very, I'm. I'm like, I just think about even generationally, that these three kids could still come together, and be there for this man that they, yeah, has done a lot of damage in their life, and thinking about how much of it is that kids to their parents thing, yeah, or just a generational, you know, yeah, value thing, yeah. Because it does seem like the kids are portrayed, obviously, in a much more positive light. Yeah, yeah. It's um. I I just like the 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 summation of it with from Gene because I, it's because I'm a decent person, and this is what decent right. people do. Right. And 
and it, it's kind of like it doesn't have anything to do with yeah what's happened. She's or, she's the most know. hurt, the most abused, the most damaged person in this movie. The most forgotten. Everything she has, she has the most reasons to be bitter and angry and a pill at every turn. And actually, she's just a decent person, and she makes that choice every day. <laughs> right. That's why it's perfect that Eliza puts her in the movies. Yeah. Puts her in her movies like you're gonna be seen. Yeah. And, and even that is like a funny it's like a funny moment whether you find out she's been in 14 of these student films or something ridiculous right um, but it's really meaningful for Jean yeah it's it's neat I, to that, be seen I was surprised by that payoff of how nice that was it just felt really nice um, yeah yeah um, that, that would probably be my review of this movie this, <laughs> it was nice it was really nice Felt nice. It wasn't the uh, oh god gut turning moments of Marriage Story or yeah. Squid and the Whale for that matter. Yeah. It. Uh, I don't know. I, I like. I've. I watched. Like I said earlier, while we're young. Yeah. With ben Stiller and Adam Driver. It's, uh, I don't feel like I liked it as much. Sure. As Meyer Woods stories. Um, Did you ever see Greenberg? No. Is that another one of his? Yeah. It's Ben Stiller too. He likes ben. he likes his people. Yeah, isn't that funny that all these directors with such distinct style they have their people, and that's that. I read something this week that because I I saw Raiders uh, mm-hmm. that George Lucas was really trying to push Steven Spielberg to not hire Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones because mm. he didn't want to be the director who has his guy like Scorsese had Robert De Niro in that time in the seventies. <laughs> Mm. and like such a rejection of what you're talking about right and like here we are 40 years later and that's just what directors do (laughs) that's funny it's like i get i mean it makes sense like you can understand how to use that actor yeah but it's funny that all the directors who at least like even like pop culturally yeah are more recognized for having their style yeah they also have their people. Yep, because it becomes a mark of the style. Right. But, and and I also think it... Uh, Scorsese does it a lot too, but I, I I really like watching it in the hands of these writer-directors like Baumbach mm-hmm. when he finds the actors that he can trust with his voice. He can picture, as he's writing yeah. it, how Adam Driver's going to play this. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of like you know Tarantino going back to the Brad Pitt thing. Uh, right. of like it's just how seamless he's going to come into this and be able to do it uh whatever right. it is uh, and both those guys the dialogue is so important to the movies that right and and that's what i i, I was going to say this but it fits perfectly here i was blown away by dustin hoffman in this movie he's so good and i had moments where i'm like is he just that unbelievably good or is the writing that he is given so good Mm. and i think it's just both right but i feel like he's not in a lot of stuff lately i mean he's he's obviously he's older but yeah i mean he he um anyways i i was just blown away by dustin hoffman's performance like so pitch perfect great but also the writing is 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 a huge part of it um, yeah, and all 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 four of these leads and and Emma Thompson, all five of these leads, like 
they are, I mean, Emma Thompson channeling her Professor Trelawney energy as Mm. this, like, you know, hippie-ish, new-agey, liberal New Yorker. She crushes. Amazing. Who's drunk all the time, like Trelawney. Uh, It's amazing. And, and yeah. You know, we're talking about we're talking about the writing. We're talking about the actors and the performances. This may be a good segue into our segments, um, as because our first segment every week is favorite shots, um, right? And just give us a chance to kind of finish our conversation about the movie and talk a little bit about Bombax direction here. Um, so, Mitchell, what was your favorite shot in the Meyerwood stories? I think I'm gonna go with that beer shot of him smacking the beer out of his daughter's hand. No, of. Uh... <laughs> Well, like I liked when Jean's telling her story and the camera's yeah. slowly zooming out, kind of yeah. gave me graduate vibes. But that's probably because I'm having like Dustin Hoffman, yeah, you know, sure. relapses. But I think it's just that montage moment where they're sitting around playing cards oh, with like yeah. Sam Adams, yeah. and like the light is pouring in at like a golden hour. Yeah, and it's just a splash of warmth and and, and like uh, I was jealous for that moment. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Because it's such a nice moment to have with with like like i think it was what i was saying earlier where you get that moment with family but yeah it's it, it feels very like a drop in if it's a weekend it's like it happens a couple times yeah. maybe if you're lucky yeah um it's hard to manufacture it's so yeah it's hard to get there at least you know i don't say for everybody but yeah um so he, he just like plugged into that very seamlessly because it's only on screen for a couple seconds, not yeah. like a whole scene, I think. Yeah. So I'm going with that. There weren't a lot of shots that stood out to me actually in this one. You know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm really interested in I have two favorite shots. Um, I'll speak generally. I'm really interested in the way he, especially in the first two segments of the film, Danny's story and Matthew's story, there's so many parallels um, mm-hmm. in shot composition of these of Dustin Hoffman with one of the sons walking down these streets in New York and mm-hmm. and he, he kind of plays with that a lot which is all really interesting stuff um, so I'm going to share I'm going to send you this this is it's funny uh, my favorite shot it comes from that same montage actually um, oh, cool. but it's for totally different reasons it's the three siblings in the ho- in the hospital gift shop um, oh right and they are and I just, I love everything about it. Are you looking at it? You see, yeah. yeah. So you, Life is beautiful. Yeah. You, they're in this absolutely terrible place, the, the hospital gift shop, and it's all this just absolutely junky, kitschy crap. And the three of them are looking at three different displays and completely disconnected from one, from one another. And it's like this, this in an image kind of, I think, symbolizes the inverse of what your favorite shot also symbolizes or symbolizes like as they are you know on this journey of doing the round the clock care for their dad they are having these intensely intimate moments as siblings playing cards and drinking together and just sharing right Mm -hmm. and then at the same time they you can have a great moment like that but there's still the reality of like decades of relationship that are disconnected and apart from one another and self-interested right like they're looking at their own things and self-consumed yeah um and 
and I just I I that moment this this shot really struck me as it happened in the montage of kind of I, I chuckled but I was like also filled with the the sadness of it. Uh, That's so funny because those moments are literally side by side in the movie. Yeah, are they really? Yeah, like yeah, I, mean, I mean they're in I, that I, I they're in that same yeah they're in that same montage. Yeah, same. Um, my my other favorite shot this it's it's one of the more technical shots in the movie and I kind of I, as I was watching it I was like I bet this was like their big action day um, on set and and I kind of chuckled thinking of them doing this as an action set piece in New York versus like what Marvel does right. <laughs> uh, but it's when they're chasing after the guy who uh, Harold thinks has stolen his coat <laughs> right. and and it's this alleyway and the camera moves down and you follow the the the, the patron who's stolen the coat and Ben Stiller and. Uh, or, or the patron goes around the corner, the camera goes back, and Ben runs ahead, and the camera follows him, oh, and then, it, and right, then the right, camera right. goes back a third time, and like Harold does this like as as much running slow, as an eighty five year old slow is, old man jog. Yeah, this little old man That's jog. That's like hilarious. Uh, and the whole thing is staged like really, it's like really funny, and it's the most movement of the whole movie, also. Uh, yeah. But I just I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. Like it was just a yeah. really nice. Um, I, I, yeah, I felt that too. That it felt distinguished. Yeah, like oh, he's doing some camera work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was neat. That was like nice like moment. the camera is dragging behind Ben Stiller and Ben Stiller. Or no, like like the camera's like, come on, let's go. Yeah, We're walking this yes. way. And Ben Stiller, it, it, the camera's saying that to Ben Stiller, and Ben Stiller's saying that to Harold. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, so I like you those think moments. the guy. You think the guy's gonna get away? It's like, how is there this much? I know. Like energy in a slow walk about to ask a guy about his jacket but then and what is so great about it is then it does because it creates this tension in the action and then when Mm. they finally do catch up with the guy he's like a monster of a person right and and then the tension just continues through the end of the scene like i don't i don't think this is what bomb back is so good that stuff isn't purposeful He's creating he's creating a moment and a mood of tension before he gets into this scene of this conversation um yeah, I, I like a lot of the stuff he does in in the New York City apartment. Um, yeah, just like a nice apartment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, even just the way there's a claustrophobic feel, the way that characters you know are constantly talking over each other, and and the way that they're you know staged in these confined spaces. Um, yeah. And how that is contrasted with the country home at the end of the movie, and. Right, um, you know, breathe a bit. Yeah, and it, uh, less tension. Even like the kind of funny irony of like Maureen's a drunk and serving raw shark, but it's just kind of played for laughs. But then like Maureen drunk at the country house and like she wrecks her car and right. Like I don't know, it, 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 he's playing with the consequences and the contrast of the of the spaces really well. Yeah, um, yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, letterbox. Letterbox review. What'd you give this one? I hit it with the good old four stars. Yeah, four stars. Me too. Um, you want to explain yours? Uh, yeah. I mean, I really liked it. A crazy review for for a movie pod. I liked the movie, but uh, I don't know why three and a half feels uh, kind of like an insult sometimes. Yeah, three and a half feels a little harsh sometimes. Yeah, four is like a solid movie. That's how four I four and a half is like okay, okay, we're getting we're getting very interesting here. Yeah, you know, but it it wasn't quite that. Like I would probably give, um, like I I would give Francis Ha four and a half. Mm. Yeah, you 
or a marriage story of four and a half, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Marriage story is like a, you know, I'm you're, too generous. You're hitting five. I'm too, you're hitting five with that. I'm too generous. It's true. I, I Five is a hall of fame for me. Yeah. I feel. Um, so, yeah, hitting that four life. Didn't um, run a review. Couldn't think of anything. Yeah, I gave it four stars. I thought the movie was really affecting. I love the performances. I was, like, annoyed that I hadn't watched it already. That that was one of my big feelings. I was like, how come nobody told really? me about this movie? Oh, I know. Like, I mean, he, all of his stuff on Netflix, you're like, wait, wait. Yeah. There's a whole catalog. Here. I know. And he's just quietly releasing these movies. I know. It's just that they're not there. as grabby as Marriage Story, sure. But. Um, which is interesting uh, that Marriage Story kind of took off the way it did. Do you think it's because it's like because of the movie itself, or because Netflix was like trying to do an Oscar like run, and it, it was just kind of a year for that? Like the, the conversation, there was Netflix definitely originals. a lot of conversation about Marriage Story even before the award stuff. So I don't think it was solely mm. that, though. Netflix pushed it really hard, and I think really successfully. Laura Dern got an Oscar, and yeah, I think Marriage Story had some like. Um, it kind of kind of the inception effect like oh my god you want to understand you gotta watch it three times but yeah. the energy was like you, you if you're gonna watch this with your significant other make sure you guys are in a good place yeah like it's that yes yeah, like, so oh i see what you're saying. totally um yeah. I, a little dramatic yeah i don't i don't i mean i do i do when i think about when i stack marriage story up against something like the Meyerwood stories um i do think marriage story is more of a is a more substantial piece um it's a greater work but oh gosh <laughs> uh I, but i don't know why i feel that and because they're both netflix releases too i yeah. i hate that feeling i but i hate that i hate that this there's this feeling of like oh this feels like a throwaway movie um when yeah my yeah Meyerowitz feels like somewhere between that and a like great like a great of his catalog yeah and like i said i just felt like it was a little long at the end um but my well, let's say four stars is so great i very much recommend people watch oh it. this it's is still, super solid with, movie yeah the thing with with this movie it's like it's not fair to compare to just his other stuff but compared to like 99 percent of stuff that That's is so on netflix true. it's so much better yeah. Yeah. dang i might give it four and a half like honestly there's not that many good movies <laughs> like <laughs> Just in the world and coming out, so it's like yeah. This this to me was like really solid movie. Highly recommend. And my big takeaway was just kind of being annoyed that I hadn't watched it already. Yeah, yeah. like it's like it's actually very good. Yeah, <laughs> for the way that I've been talking about it, I feel like uh, I, I like just when I start to compare it to just the utter sludge that that all these streamies like insist on pouring out streamies. That's what I'm calling. Is that what we're calling services. them now? All right. Yeah. Just this garbage that they just pack into people's homes. I'm like, yes, this is very much worth two hours of your time. Uh, okay. So, what else have God. you been watching, Mitchell? Our our, our uh, third and final segment. What else have you been watching? I, I think I've only watched one other movie this week. Okay. And it's Evil Under the Sun. What is this? Which is a British. It's an Agatha Christie novel uh. that was, but. Uh, oh, what's her name from Harry Potter? McGonagall is in it from like oh, the 80s. Oh, Maggie Smith is in it. Yes, uh, like a murder mystery on like a, a like British island. 
like coastal. Anyway, Sarah's been reading a lot of Agatha Christie, so yes. So, but yeah, honestly, it was pretty fun. Oh, that's cool. It, it's like one of those like murder mystery, fu- like mostly funny. Yeah, like a goofy time, but still fun to watch the detective at the end like pull it all together. It's a knives out esque. Oh, it's maybe. a Guy Hamilton film. Yeah, he did that, a bunch of James Bond movies. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, um, cool. I think that's the only thing I've. I don't know. There might have been more, but I can't think of it now. Yeah. And I've, I've been bad about logging Letterboxd. You gotta, you gotta log that stuff. Yeah. What about you? I watched, uh, like I've mentioned, Kicking and Screaming um, before I knew we were gonna watch this. Really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird movie because I feel like <laughs> there's such great moments and and i mean it's a super cheap movie it's his first thing and it was like mostly just college grads sitting around bars and houses talking mm-hmm. um and great little one-liners like the writing so good one character says i'm nostalgic now for conversations i had yesterday <laughs> mm. as like how desperate his situation has gotten <laughs> right um and it's a good line. yeah it's a great line um and there's great stuff in it and i I thought the movie's great. Um, it's a gap in my bomb back. Yeah, really good. I watched watching. I watched Raiders um, in a movie theater on Thursday. Raiders: The Lost Ark for its 40th anniversary. It was so great. Nice. Um, all right. Well, that pretty much does it for our conversation on the Meyerowitz stories. I think uh, Mitchell, you and I are both positive. Like this movie a lot. Definitely recommend if you haven't watched it. Um, and just go watch some other Noah Baumbach stuff. He's great. He's great. Um, we are, uh, Mitchell, why don't you tell us what we are doing for next week's movie and, uh, why we picked it. Right. So it's kind of a lull in movie world right now in terms of things coming. I mean, July is going to be a killer month and we are so excited for just, we've got July. It's a stack July mapped out stacked deck in July. And so, but, um, we were finding it, finding it tough to find, something to land on this week and so we were just and mitchell still refuses to watch in the heights i'm not a musical guy you know and i i i don't think you guys want to hear me complain about it for an hour especially when it's maybe a movie that you love plus i'd, I'd like to avoid the controversy too mm-hmm. uh, and navigating that doesn't sound too fun so uh we're just aiming for good time summertime very violent time fun and uh when that when the heat goes up i i you know what's funny i was also thinking about um uh do the right thing do the right thing yeah as another summer movie but again not feeling terribly qualified to speak on that movie even though it's amazing and everyone should go watch it boy i feel like you're dangling do the right thing out there in front of me and then snatching it away how good is do the right thing i know especially for a summer movie Right in the middle of a heat wave, it's perfect. But oh, um, yeah, but I mean, who knows? We'll, we might have to do a, a Spike Lee deep dive. Yeah, um, if somebody writes in and says, "Hey, guys, do do the right thing," then we're gonna do it. Yeah, we have lots of yeah. summer left. Yeah, um, yeah. But all right, so we're doing a summer movie uh, this week. It's the first week of summer. Um, what are we watching? We are watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ah, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Just such a brilliant movie. Uh, so excited to talk about it. So excited to have a reason to rewatch it. Not right. that I ever need a reason to rewatch it. Right. Uh, 
it's just so great. Yeah, and it's in the dead of, dead of summer. Uh, you can feel the heat there. We always make nachos when watching this movie because there's like plenty of Mexican restaurant margarita slurping nacho eating goodness. And how how great is it to be watching a movie and, and consuming the same food or drink that they have in the movie? So oh, yeah. if you it, it, hey have a nacho night put on once upon yeah. a time especially if you haven't seen it yet and um yeah that's what we're talking about next week in the meantime where can they find us uh you can follow us on instagram at movies while they sleep that's our primary kind of social platform right now uh it's been a great week as we've just been posting all of these different shots from tree of life that we loved so check out those share we love to see people sharing their favorite shots from the movies that we're watching we'll have uh, our favorite stuff from Meyerwitz stories on there this week um, follow us on there. We we do you know coming attractions and and just try to keep you updated about what's going on. Um, please also be sure to like uh, or please be sure also to uh, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Subscribe, download the podcast, all of that. It helps. It does. Um, and yeah, we're excited. We're excited for summer. Really looking forward to July. It's going to be an awesome month. Some really fun releases that I'm really excited about. Movies that are in theaters, even. Movies that are in theaters. I, I am so, I'm just going to say right now, at the end of July, we're going to watch The Green Knight. Oh. This is a movie that I have been, this was supposed to come out like early in the pandemic and got pushed back over a year. And I'm just thrilled about this movie. It might be terrible, but I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going uh, to be. The marketing's too good. So that's what we got, uh, but we will see you next time for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And as always, shout out to Andy Carhall for our theme music. You can find him on Instagram at C-A-R-R-H-A-L-L, Carhall. And uh, other than that, we will see you guys next week. (laughs) Good night, sleepyheads. Bye. Wait, do I say good night, y'all? I'll knock you out of Fenway Park. (laughs)